The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of In the Market Trenches. Uh, glad to have you here. If this is your first time listening, remember you could find us anywhere that podcasts are available. You could also find us at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You could find us at snn.network. You could also find us on uh, the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash snnwire. Gary, it looks like you have a concerned scowl on your face today. What's going on? What's on your mind? My default expression, which is a determined yeah. scowl if you're listening. But, uh, <laughs> I'll crack a smile for the, for the viewers. Um, all right. So what do we got going on today? Yeah. I mean, I think you and I, we recently were, were looking at a, a company and, uh, it's in a reorg process right now, but it also got us thinking about, well, how, how did we get here? Right. 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 And, right. Uh, so how we got there was spun out from a, from a parent company and we thought, what are some of the characteristics of a good spinoff versus a bad spinoff? Yeah, I guess that's, that's one of the things we were kicking around because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we got involved in this company that's now in a reorg process and it was spun out a couple of years ago and has a whole bunch of really interesting, uh, interesting things in and about it. But um, it kind of got us thinking, you know, good spinoff versus what, the, what, what, are the, what are the characteristics of a, of a, a spinoff that we like versus one that we, we, we are more is more of a stay away for us. I think, uh, you know, I got here. I have here my book. Uh, you can be a stock market genius by the Godfather of uh, of uh, special situations investing himself, Joel Greenblatt. And it's actually, I don't know if you could read this or not, but it's actually signed by Joel. And uh, I've tabbed it up quite a bit. I've read it a bunch of different times, and every time I read it, I come back to it. It's like, uh, you know. It needs to be at a different place in sort of my investing career, and maybe I pick up one or two additional things out of it. I don't know about you. It covers yeah, all sorts yeah, of interesting topics. Probably read it three or four times. Every time you learn something new, it's it really is great. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, in this book, uh, the, the topic of spinoffs is, is is front and center. I don't know what percentage of the book I would say that it is, but uh, it's it's certainly uh, something that people took note of, and I think every sort of died in the wool. In value, we'll, call, we'll say value investor, but uh, investor generally broadly has at one point or another probably read this book and um, has spent some time on, on spinoffs. And at a certain point in time, I think the companies themselves sort of got the message that spinoffs were something that were popular with investors, right? Yep. So everyone, you know, companies, they come, they do all this M&A, they, they bolt on these different divisions and and they hire consultants and investment bankers to sort of empire build. And then uh, eventually an activist comes along and says, hey, you know, if you break this up, there's a conglomerate discount and the pieces are worth more than the whole. So they hire some bankers and consultants again to, to tear it apart. And the bankers and consultants win. And sometimes the investors win, sometimes they lose. But uh, that's how that's how spinoffs tend to happen, right? Yeah. And so I think let's try Let's structure the conversation a bit. Can we kind of think about two categories? What are the characteristics of a good spinoff? versus what are we looking to avoid when we see a spin? Yeah, I think, I think I'm almost like, like, like good bet, bad bet, right? Like, like if you're looking at the NFL lines, like that line smells a little fishy, maybe that game's a stay away. 
versus like that one looks like it's kind of interesting and uh and and so the characteristics of a good versus bad spinoff i guess i would um as the company sort of got the message about this um you know it was it was it was a, it was like a good fishing spot and then uh you know sort of the good fish got picked over and uh the companies were sort of left with some some the companies that were doing this uh, at least the last several years uh, have been a little bit more in my view stay away so um mm-hmm. i guess at a high level um you like to see a good strategic rationale for doing it right right so um, does this does this make sense? And do these businesses make sense together? And is there actually a real conglomerate di- get discount that's being applied here, or is there something about these businesses being put together that's sort of um, holding one or the other back in some material way? Right. So, um, so at, at, at just the first brush, it, it's the question of do these things make sense together, or do they make more sense apart? Does that make sense? And I think a lot of times the answer to that question is probably it, it, we is it, probably yes, but then to go down from there, you want to go to the reasons that the company is doing the spin. And so all of these companies will file a form ten where they tell you the various reasons and things that they're doing this, and and those things sort of get filed with the with the with the Securities Commission, and they get updated as things go along. They get comments back. They get more information, whatever. Um, and so you want to really hone in on 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 what are the reasons and what's really going on here. Right. right. What, do you, what do you think about? Yeah. And so I think when you're thinking about what are the reasons, it's so these companies are going to get teased apart. Who's the one that's pushing for this spinoff? Is it management and they're coming up with their own rationale on why the companies could be separated? Or is there an activist investor saying, well, these companies are going to be more valuable as separates than as the entire entity? Um, I wouldn't say one is better than another. It's just something that you need to observe because you also have to understand who's going to own the stock of the spin out, spun out company post spin and what are their incentives. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think if it's an activist that's pushing on it, the reasons are kind of obvious why they're doing it, right? Somebody's saying that there's this conglomerate discount and, and these things are better apart. And like somebody's really, they bought a block of stock and they're leaning on the company to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where management is using their own discretion to do it, um, and sometimes the, the, the breaking apart can, can be interesting and can create some value. But um, when, when management is choosing to do this, um, I think that's where it gets a little bit more interesting because you have a wide variety of motivations. And so um, sort of where I get most interested, I think, is one of the motivations is maybe there's um, a piece of this business that they really – Sometimes these things can be structured in such a way where management is is going from making a diluted bet on something to a concentrated bet on something, and via the spin you can sort of bet alongside them. Like to me, that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So um, when management's choosing to do it, I look at the management incentives. Where is management going? What are they doing? What's going on in and around this thing? So sometimes we see a situation. One that I think I like a little bit less is when the company that's departing pays a big fat dividend to the parent company and is saddled with a lot of, a lot of debt post spin um, that may or may not be beneficial depending on whether or not they can service it. But that's, you know, one of the reasons is like, well, do we get something financial? Does the parent company get something financial out of this? Right. Right. Yeah. No, to me, that's and we've one seen of some the other stuff where s- stay away from. Potentially. Right. Like if they can service the debt and maybe it becomes a financial engineering play, maybe that's kind of interesting, but, 
But if they're over levering it, um, that's something that we sort of want to stay away from. Uh, right. If or maybe they're saddling it with some with some liability that they want to off offload. Right. We've seen instances of that. Um, mm -hmm. The one that we recently got involved in, there was there was a that was a key element to it. Um, and so, um, you know, that's another thing that maybe maybe red flag. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a there's a couple of different red flags here. So one is, are they using it just to suck off some cash? Two, um, are they doing it um, uh, to sort of um, basically recapitalize themselves? They're basically trying right, to recapitalize themselves. themselves. Right. And what was the other one? Some 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 form or offload some form of a liability, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the third one is like maybe the business is just something that's maybe slowly dying and weighing on their financials, and they just want to sort of get it off. And you know, there there's some something that they want to just sort of let it drift out to sea. And uh, if the boat sinks, the boat sinks, right? Yep. Yeah. And we've also seen instances where like loading it up with debt and loading it up with liabilities, it's sort of like. They, they load up the boat and then they douse it in kerosene and they light a match and push it out to sea. Uh, we've certainly seen some instances of that, right? Right. And so those are the instances that we want to stay away from. But on the other side of the equation, you know, what are the attributes of the positive spins that you, that we, what are you looking for on the, on the, on the positive side? Yeah. So, so on the positive side, I think we want to see, you know, insiders lining up to sort of, make a lot of money as a result of the spin in one way or another. And so either, you know, um, they're, they're spinning off something really tiny that, they, that, you know, you look at it and go, well, this is really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Why are they isolating this? Well, oh, okay. Well, management is buying in as part of the spin. And, you know, we've seen some instances of that um, or they've got something nascent and growing. And, and so like, it's a way for management to take, to go from having a diluted bet you know, as part of a much bigger enterprise, so a more concentrated bet on something specific, right? Right. And then the question I always want to answer is, who's going to be leading the company that's being spun out? Is management right. staying with the parent company or is some portion of the management team going to the spinoff? Right. And, and I wouldn't underestimate the ability of the insiders to have some decision-making, you know, to, just, to pick what they want. Um, particularly the, if you see like the CEO or the CFO of the company, the parent company choosing to go with the child, there's the parent and the child in, in this, in this relationship. And if they're choosing to go with the child, that tells you something. Um, I guess the other thing, if it looks like they're trying to, we, we've also seen instances, and I think this is where we've done the best, um, in, in terms of in, in, in looking at spins generally, it's almost, almost where they're trying to sort of make the spin uninteresting to people, right? Do things to make it so either the current, the investors in the parent company can't own it or don't want to own it, or it's very, very insignificant to them that they're just going to sort of just, why, why bother with this? And they just, and they just blast that. So I think we've seen instances where there's insider ownership and, you know, the spin ratio is 75 to one. So if somebody owns a hundred, <laughs> you know, a hundred, 750 shares of this, they're getting, you know, uh, 10 shares of, of the child co right and like that's yeah. just super insignificant uh, we've seen companies where they're duly listed in the u.s and canada and they only choose to list the spin in canada and so there's a whole class of investors that can't own this thing because it's it. not traded in the u.s um you know certain things like that so things that are just very tiny relative to the parent and things where like it's the where it is and how it comes to you sort of gets moved and um, I get 
sort of super interested when I see some combination of insider buying and that activity. Yeah, right? and that's where I think when it's particularly interesting to look at the institutional holders of the parent company because they're going to be the holders of the spun out company. And if it's a bunch of indices, they might, might not be allowed to actually hold those based on the governance of their their funds. So you're going to have a lot of indiscriminate selling pressure right upon the spin out where they're just trying to blow out of this, especially when you're talking about a scenario like the ratio you just talked about, like a 75 to one spin out ratio. That's just insignificant. But if you know what you're looking at at the time of the spin, and you think it's attractive, it might be a good opportunity to buy in at the cheap. Yeah, and, and you can sort of see when it gets in the shareholders' hands, um, oftentimes with these things, there's like a sort of a shadow market between the record date for getting the spin and when the when you actually think that thing actually starts trading on the exchange where people trade the rights to these things. So you can sort of see how it trades in that market. Um, and how do people usually find The funny find thing that? about that market, what's that? How do people actually find the when issued market? <laughs> you sort of have to start Googling for the ticker. Uh, I don't know. I don't exactly know how to do it, but they normally just stick like a, whatever the ticker is going to be in the and there's like a WI on the end or a dot W dash, or you know, dash some, WI some, dot WI. Yeah. Dash WI backslash WI. We've seen all sorts of different conventions for that. Um, you know, there's some other letter at the end that's going to drop when it's actually trading live. Um, and you, you can sort of get a preview look at the valuation of it in that market. And, you know, if it's something that like, like oftentimes we'll own a company that's doing this and they're trying to offload something or offload something that has liabilities in future years, and we'll sort of get a look at it. And uh, the funny thing about the win issued market is you can sell your rights to something, but there's no short selling in the win issued market. So it's sort of almost a one way market. And uh, my understanding is that there's no short selling in, in, in the win issued market. And so like these things that where somebody's trying to offload it and like it's, a, it's just like a flaming dumpster fire that they're pushing out to sea. Um, you know, there's no other side of that trade. It's just people who are sort of offloading their rights. Um, and oftentimes, if that's the case, you'll see um, the first couple of days after it goes, when it after after it goes and trades on the exchange, it tends to be kind of erratic. Um, but if it's something that you want to own, and you think that you know other people are going to want to own it too, you can sort of get a look at it there. And mm -hmm. um, if you know to look for it there, then well, you know maybe you can do it in that market. And um, there's been instances, I think, along the way where we've done that, and uh, um, it's benefited us. You know, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. But uh, yeah. you know, we've it's it's a it's a place to look, right? It's something. It's a it's a less trafficked rock to flip over um, as part of as part of the spin market. Um, so you know, I, I think in terms of like the spins, uh, it, you know, outside of the things that we talked about, um, when we're looking for a successful one, I mean. If it's something we want to own for a long period of time, we're really looking at the business and the business prospects, just like any other investment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, I, I would classify things that we like into two camp, into more or less two camps. One is there's some sort of glaring valuation discount that we expect to close in a relatively short order, and maybe we don't have a strong opinion about the business. And then in the second one, um, it's one where we really like the business, the business prospects, and we want to own it for a long time. And those two things are really different. So I think so, sort of just defining what you're in it for at the outset um, will help, you know, has helped us manage it better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And understoring or thinking that we understand the motivation for the spin and we can get behind it and we understand, you know, the management's rationale or the activist's 
investors rationale and it's something that we believe in. Um, and you know, also staying away from those three categories that we talked about earlier, the things that we think don't make spinoffs as attractive. You know, the high levels of debt, uh, not understanding what the business is actually trying to accomplish in this spin, um, or they're just- you know, Terminally ill business. Terminally ill businesses, yeah, or offloading some sort of liability. Yeah, either real or potential, right? So I've seen ones right. where, you know, we saw an insurance company offload something where, you know, I, I don't, I actually don't know what the liabilities really are for that insurance company. Like it's, it's, it's because insurance is a funny business where you don't know if you're, if you're actually making profits until late, far out in the future. And sort of the products that that company wrote were ones where like, I actually don't know how to model it. I don't know how to, how they can reserve for it. And if you look at the way the accounting has changed over time, even they don't know. So it's sort of like, you know, somebody was offloading something that like the liability was a big question mark, but it could be a huge number. Um, sure. You know, we've seen other ones where the liability was more certain or potentially more certain, but it was just like, wow, uh, that's a really strange thing for, for you to indemnify, right? Like, um, and so you, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. And it's sort of like, you know, really, but each one of these, I think there's like, you know, sort of facts and circumstances specific. Um, but if there's one where you really like the business, um, there's also an opportunity potentially to own what you think is a really good business, hopefully at a reasonable price that can sort of just work for the long run. Yep. So those are the ones that we like that worked. Valuation gap, business quality, uh, the ones where we have more questions, it's, you know, I think we detailed those pretty well. So yeah. what else do we have? No, I think that's it for today. And a little different than our normal episodes where we're talking about specific names, but just given the current environment and that we just got involved in a name yesterday, we'll probably talk about it at some point in the future. Um, I thought it was relevant for everyone to go through the anatomy of spinoffs and what we're looking for. It's a pretty high level category of investing to look at in the special situations world. Um, I love the book, You're a Stock Market Genius. Um, are we allowed to make a book recommendation here? Can I recommend it? I, I, don't, I don't see no, why not. Uh, it's a good book to read. We liked it. We got something for it. <laughs> yeah. I've read it three or four times. If you haven't read it, I would pick up a copy. Uh, you'll learn something. I learn <laughs> we, something every time we, we read it. We, we, don't, we don't get anything if, anybody, if, somebody, picks, if somebody orders <laughs> one from Amazon. So I think, I think it'll be just fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh, At this point in Joel's you know, career, I don't know if he's going to notice that he gets anything from, a, from an incremental sale. Yeah, it's a, it's a rounding error for him for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like this is an area that was one time pretty fertile. Now it's one where you sort of have to be a lot more cautious about it. And uh, and so uh, we just thought, given given that we got involved in this company uh, that is, in our view, just a busted spin at this point, uh, it, you know, we thought it would be a good discussion point to sort of hash through what we like and what we don't. And hopefully, uh, people enjoyed listening to it and maybe maybe learned something. And, you know, if you've got something you want to share or something that you were involved in or something else, uh, reach out to us. We'd, we're looking for guests for the show. And uh, we, we, we always love to hear good stories. And uh, there's yep. no shortage of them with spins. So, Yep. You can find our contact information on our blog, which is uh, on our site, which is www.accretivewealthpartners.com. Uh, thanks again for everyone tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can check us out anywhere podcasts are available. You can check us out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. Check us out at snn.network or the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash SNNWire. 
thanks again for joining us, everyone. We like, we like doing this episode. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, anything else, Gary? Is that a wrap? No, folks can rate and review us. It would help a lot. And uh, like I said before, if uh, you want to be a guest on our show, we, we're looking for guests. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.